Hello and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Ariana Cascone, and I'm here today with Jeff Kasouf to recap the sixth match day of the 2023 NWSL regular season. So how are we doing on this Monday, Jeff? Monday, it's good. It's a positive vibe for a Monday. A a good weekend, though, uh, for matches that we had. So so looking forward to talking about them. Yes, absolutely. So the NWSL regular season is about a quarter of the way behind us, which is a little bit hard for me to believe. <laughs> um, but things are starting to shape up, I think, across the league. So this weekend, sort of as you alluded to, we had a lot of classic or vintage NWSL type games. So on Big CBS, we saw Washington Spirit beat San Diego 3-1. And then we saw Orlando get their second consecutive win against Racing Louisville 1-0. Uh, and then North Carolina and Portland played to a 3-3 draw, which was, in my opinion, one of the games of the weekend, right? A really back and forth kind of fun uh, experience for viewers. And then OL Reign blanked Houston 2-0 in the first meeting of Laura Harvey and Sam Lady as head coaches. And OL Reign actually find themselves atop the table these days. And then yesterday we had Gotham beat Chicago 2-1. And then to close out the weekend, Angel City beat Kansas City 3-2, right? So lots of action over the weekend. Um, but as I said, you know, thinking about these games of the weekend, I think North Carolina, Portland, and Spirit San Diego are two really exciting ones. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I would say, I would agree, and I would say, you know, I think this is the interesting time of the year. You know, you said we're about a quarter of the way through the season, which is, you know, always kind of, uh, when when you start looking at it that way and framing it right, it's it's somewhat surprising because you feel like it just started. But it, mm-hmm. it is that point of the year, I would say, or the season because the the start times keep shifting a little bit. That um, you know, like take if if you're a fan or you you like tracking this stuff, like take a little screen grab of the table is what I would say, right? Because this is sort of that period where teams are either you know, I guess the regression of the mean usually comes in the summer, right? And and mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I look at the top, the very top of this table, and I think these are teams that will be in the picture. Um, but, you know, we've seen in the past where around the six game mark, you know, it was only, it was a couple of years ago, right, that the Orlando Pride at this point were top of the table and, and surging. And, you know, I think we've seen that with a team or two throughout pretty much every season where, you know, there's, there's something, whether it's, you know, to me, we've talked enough Gotham, and, you know, but I think I look at, Gotham and strength of schedule as maybe a team to to look out for with that of, you know, 12 points, one off the pace. But, you know, what does that look like in another six weeks? Um, and, and maybe same so at the bottom of the table. Maybe some of these teams surge up. Obviously, current, Casey Current are, are down there. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Thorne's Courage, that was that was fun. I think that that second Crystal Dunn goal, second Thorne's goal, um, second equalizer of, of three times that the Courage went up, you know, that was probably at least top of my head, the best goal that I've seen in any recent memory in the league or period. Yeah, that was really a team goal. I mean, that was the lots of build up position. I think I saw Jason Anderson mention that it was something like 30 seconds of Portland just having the ball uncontested, pinging it around in, you know, the courage's half. And, you know, it ends with Crystal Dunn, who scored the second goal in that game. I think that 
that sort of sequence was the epitome of Portland's ceiling for this year, which is clearly very, very high. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, you know, defending champions. I think perennial contenders haven't changed a lot, certainly at the, you know, the head coaching position, but even that was meant to sort of be the, you know, to maintain continuity from Mike Norris being assistant last year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, yeah, that, that goal in particular, really spectacular with you look at the one touch passing Megan Klingberg continuing her run the back heel from Sophia Smith um I think really exceptional it reminded me immediately of um two years ago the U.S. Mexico game the the Olympic um not a send-off but you know tune-up that the U.S. played in Hartford um which you know the U.S. scored this incredible team goal up the right their right side this was up Portland's left and it actually got called back for an inadvertent whistle. So it, it does not stand in history as an actual goal. You'd have to sort of dig through YouTube, which I think it's on there, but um, immediately reminded me of that. I think, you know, really, really exceptional. And and this Thorns team, I mean, look, this Thorns team is very good. We know that it's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the, maybe the most talented team in the league. I do think they're at an interesting place of back-to-back three, three draws, you know, with Angel City in North Carolina, I don't know necessarily that either of those teams are going to be title contenders at the very least, you know, come come later in the season. So, um, you know, Mike Norris was pretty happy uh, with the way his team fought back and actually didn't think that they defended poorly in the postgame interview, um, which, you know, is always an interesting perspective when, you know, giving up six goals across two games, right? But yeah. um, I think you know, th- there are some things to figure out there, right? I mean, you can't be, and again, early season, but you know, you can't be in these three, three draws and, and on a consistent basis, like that's, that's what the courage did last year. And we saw how that kind of hurt them in the end and, and seem to be doing some similar things with blowing leads so far, or at least as this sample size goes. But, um, you know, I, I think that's something to figure out for Portland. And obviously, you know, with the concession that, Becky Sauerbrunn was not available on, on Saturday. So I think that obviously played into it, but um, for the neutral, I mean, this three, three draw, just like August last year, these two teams um, really special stuff to, to witness just as some pure Saturday night entertainment. Yeah, I totally agree. And and thinking about the thorns missing Becky Sauerbrunn, I mean, I think they have to, you know, they cannot put together defensive performances that look like this when Sauerbrunn's not there, right? Because presumably she will not be there in the summer uh, through the World Cup. So it's interesting to hear head coach Mike Norris say that he didn't think his team defended poorly or or whether did he say they defended well? Um, because I think, I mean, Emily Menges is not, you know, a newcomer to this league and she is an NWSL veteran and, and she was directly involved in, the first goal and also, you know, that third goal for North Carolina. So, you know, the first goal, um, North Carolina is just sort of like pinging it up their right side and then across is sent in. And, and, you know, it's, it ultimately isn't a Menges own goal, but, um, so that might be unlucky. But in that third goal, you know, she, she was megged by Olivia Wingate, um, just like driving at her. So I don't know if having Becky Sauerbrunn in there directly changes the outcome of either of those things um if Menges is still on the field but you know I, I am sensitive to the fact that it is sort of early season um but it, it's I guess I have cognitive dissonance because for Emily Menges right she has been here a ton so yeah I mean the nutmeg obviously was 
a fun one from again from a neutral perspective mm-hmm. um you know I, I think you could flip this too and and you know you're you're disappointed if you're portland to be giving up this many goals you know if you're north carolina um which i would say you know respectfully in a different phase of of sort of where they are in the team build process um still sort of in maybe call it year two of this or, or maybe a restart of this transition i mean you're there in person on on a week-to-week basis and, and see it um mm-hmm. you know it, it's three time to thrice blow a lead um you know is is not ideal and that's you know that plagued them last season the courage that was they, they played these ridiculous entertaining games but it was this constant yo-yo of you know are they up are they are they coming back from three goals are they giving up three goals it was like you know and, and ultimately they missed the playoffs you know, on the final weekend of the season, really. So, um, you know, I think you've got to figure that out if you want to be in that in that picture and back in the postseason, which, you know, has been, you know, that that franchise had become accustomed to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that it's interesting, uh, you know, they're undoubtedly still rebuilding, but it was the first time that they're coming out with the same lineup um, this season. So across six games, it took them that long to figure out sort of what might work. And, you know, that involved putting somebody who was playing center back, Ryan Williams, um, out of position, really, with Kaylee Kurtz, who's been there all along, back to her natural fullback position and then slotting in Malia Berkeley, who actually saw more time in the midfield last year, even though I think she um, does really well at center back. Mm. So I think, you know, North Carolina does seem to be figuring it out. But even then, like you say, still conceding three goals. Um, I think... It, it was really exciting to see Caroline finally have a little bit of a, a, I don't want to call it a breakout game because I think she's been great, you know, since she's come to the league, but I think that was one of her best performances of the season on Saturday. Uh, she's tallied her first goal in the run of play, right? The other two that she scored were from the penalty spot. So um it does seem like things are coming together a little bit for North Carolina's attack, which I mean, it's interesting that they started off kind of slow, given that their attack really pulled them out of the depths of the table last year. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it does seem like there's still a lot of moving parts, even though, you know, on paper, tying Portland 3-3. I don't know right. if you can be too mad about that one. Yeah, I mean, defensively, certainly, I, I agree. And I thought Berkeley was actually very good as sort mm-hmm. of in the very limited time as a holding mid last year. I, I was at least hoping to see some more of that, and we didn't end up seeing that for one reason or another last year. But um, you know, certainly they've got to figure out, I mean, to your point, I, I don't think, I think everybody kind of scratched their head. Maybe, maybe the player herself, when Ryan Williams was playing center back for, you know, a number of games to start the season, she, she kind of had a, a knowing sort of laugh post game, um, on, on Saturdays of, of sort of being back in that fullback position. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's something to figure out. That's a long-term thing, right? Abby Urseg departs, Carson Pickett departed, obviously getting Emily Fox back in that trade is, you know, a huge solution to the fullback piece, at least. But, you know, I, I think there's questions there defensively versus, and you look at the contrast with a Portland team that, you know, this shape, the personnel, the shape, the system, again, I mean, consistency, yes, Sauerbrunn missing, but most things, I mean, you, you could sort of blindly put that lineup down and you'd be right. You know, you know, that's what's coming from Portland versus, you know, the courage still, still figuring things out. Yes. Oh, that reminds me too about, you know, Portland, this idea that you can slot pretty much anyone into their 11 and it it likely would work is, uh, seeing Olivia Moultrie come off the bench for Christine Sinclair. And, um, 
the reason I'm thinking about this is just because I think in a game that was as quick and as um, sort of back and forth as this one, I wonder if the Thorns would have benefited from going with Moultrie from the start in this one. I mean, she came off the bench and, and made an immediate impact. She did score that equalizer, right? The left-footed strike from distance. Um, and I don't know if this is sort of uh, a way to ramp up Moultrie's involvement, thinking that she probably will be, you know, in a way carrying that midfield. That's going to be pretty thin, at least in the early stages of the World Cup. So that's one question I do have about Portland going forward is whether, you know, Moultrie sink. I think they bring different things to the table. Um, both, you know, still very good, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think yeah. about that? Well, and how about the dichotomy of, you know, sink is one month from turning 40 and <laughs> yes, Olivia Moultrie is still 17. So um, yeah, I mean, look, that's most, I think we can accurately say most of Portland's midfield will be leaving in mm-hmm. six weeks. So I think undoubtedly this is going to be, Moultrie's show in, in some capacity. So yeah, I think that is, I think she's ready for it. She talked about that a little bit post game and she's talked about it, I think throughout the season when asked at least. And, you know, this is going to be, I think some pressure on her, but I mean, she said it Saturday, she's four years into this environment already. She came to Portland as a 13 year old. So, you know, I think she's ready for it. I mean, you see the strike was spectacular for that third equalizer, um, a ton of great goals in that game, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're you're right that a lot of that sort of onus will be on her and on Moultrie. And I, I think, you know, for the most part, she's ready. And, and then it's, you know, if anything, you know, we've talked about this. I think Portland's going to have to figure out just a pure numbers perspective, some, some national team replacement players. How does that all work and look? You know, to your point, they need to be able to figure that out without Becky Sauerbrunn because that'll be the case for – a month or so at least. So, you know, I, I think that um, there are some questions there, but I think, you know, maybe um, I don't know if they're necessarily champagne problems, as I, I like to say, but <laughs> they are to the, to a degree that, you know, everybody in this league is going to have departures, some fewer than others. But, you know, when you're starting at this high ceiling that Portland has, um, you know, and you have sort of this plug and play environment that they have, I, I think that you can be encouraged that, other players can step into it somewhat seamlessly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, their record is sort of telling us that on its own, right? They are one of two teams that have yet to lose this year. Um, And the other one, Washington spirit, right? I think um, what you said about, uh, you know, the world cup and, and players missing, I think the spirit are a team that really will, you know, other players will really have to step up given how much they rely on players like Trinity Rodman and Ashley Sanchez, right? I think both of them are in the, in the, uh, in the mix, excuse me, for the World Cup roster, right? It hasn't come out yet, but if either player, uh, was named, I would be not surprised. So, um, you know, I think that that's a good segue into, into talking a little bit about the Spirit and San Diego's game. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Spirit unbeaten you know, in league play in regular season um, as well as Thorns, obviously. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I think the, um, you know, Mark Parsons was talking about sort of this, this, I don't know if it's a slow build, but to give them a bit of time to sort of really start clicking, you know, I, I think you and I were talking a little bit off, off air here, you know, online over the weekend, that game was really, it really felt one way from the start, right? I mm-hmm. mean, San Diego, 
Um, the diamond midfield from Washington just completely suffocated San Diego. I thought they, you know, a, a lot of play actually for all the sort of maybe, well, I don't want to say all the name value. I mean, Colaprico is a, a big player in this league, but, you know, I, I think a lot of San Diego goes through Colaprico in a way, the way they've designed sort of in 2023. And, you know, the, the way that Washington was able to sort of collapse Hatch and Rodman have Sanchez sort of shadow. Um, I thought, you know, really kept her off the ball. And then Jaden Shaw, who I, you know, I guess somewhat of an announcer's type of curse. I mean, I was sitting here <laughs> even Saturday morning saying, I, I mean, I do think certainly pre-Saturday has been one of the best players in the league thus far this season. Mm-hmm. I barely got on the ball. I mean, I, I thought she was invisible and and that's a credit to Washington and obviously taken off at halftime. So um, I, I thought the spirit dominated a wave team, you know, which is particularly notable that we've come to know San Diego, Casey Stoney, this team, this coach as really tactically sound, you know, even if they get some individual things wrong, like the loss to Orlando two weeks ago, it was really a series of individual errors and, and sort of poor form on a night. Mm-hmm. On on Saturday against Washington, this was really the spirit tactically outclassing the wave, which you know I think you could argue is maybe one of the more tactically efficient or maybe the most tactically efficient teams in the league. So um, impressive stuff from the spirit there, and and seem to be really starting to click um, in in very good ways. And obviously, then individually, you know, Rodman. I, I think Rodman's playing for a starting spot at this point with Swanson injured. So you know, I, I think that this is. Again, another team that is is clicking and obviously, you know, struggled last year. But, you know, we saw what they could do, at least for half of 2021, even if that was maybe at this point a much different team, but similar pieces in, in terms of stars. Yeah. And I think, you know, thinking about how Washington's midfield was really able to just sort of run the show, I think it highlighted that San Diego was really missing Taylor Korniak in this one. Um, I think, you know, she, I don't know if her presence was, um, to me at least, as noticeable until she wasn't there. <laughs> um, I think San Diego, you know, they love to play direct and I think they can do that. Um, and Korniak is, but, but they can do that when Korniak is on the field. Um, and, you know, obviously they just, it was almost like no match for uh, Washington's midfield without her. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, how the, how the San Diego midfield looks moving forward, especially if Taylor Korniak goes to the World Cup. Um, you know, for me, there are questions given that she's dealing with some injury now. What if she'll actually be fit to go? But, um, I think the waves transition and also distribution was just sort of hiccuped because Korniak wasn't there. Yeah. Poor, poor timing, obviously on, on the injury front. Um, mm-hmm. we'll see, I guess, something to monitor because she certainly seemed to be, in line for a specialty role, I guess you might call it, I think is, is what that felt like or feels like at least for maybe making that U S roster, given her, her height, her general versatility. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's been a few weeks now without, without playing in the league. So, you know, it's one, one among way too many things to monitor on a U.S. injury front. Yes. And um, you know, it, Responding to your point about Trinity Rodman playing for a starting spot for the U.S., I mean, I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, 
she was lights out for the spirit. I mean, I spoke on the pod and also uh, earlier in the season, I went with Jason Anderson about um, Mark Parsons saying at the beginning of the season that it would take five or six games for his team to gel. And so my sort of thought to that was, well, you know, if it's going to take that long, then they're going to need Trinity Robin to sort of put on these incredible individual performances and almost will the team to victory. And, you know, while it wasn't quite individual, because I think Ashley Sanchez sort of, um, you know, she had the goal and the assist also. Um, I think Rodman was one of the best players on the field uh, in that game against San Diego. Yeah, I actually read something. I think Jason might have written this actually that Sanchez and Rodman had as many shots as individuals as the entire San Diego team did all together. Hmm. Yeah, and and Hatch in that category of you know players fighting for roster spots, mm-hmm. uh, which which you all you know talked about quite well last week. So we won't get deep into that, but you know I thought um, continues to maybe show in in more so of a way now than than even last season. I'd say. Um, that that she can and should maybe be in that that second number nine position. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, before we take a quick break, do you have any closing thoughts on either Spirit San Diego or other? <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get we'll get into some of the other games. Obviously, um, yeah, I think I think we we did well to uh, to kind of speak to you know the two unbeaten teams that that are just a point behind OL rain, obviously. And then um, I, I guess my, my parting thing would be let's keep an eye on San Diego because two straight losses, mm-hmm. two straight losses in which they gave up three goals. That's a bit uncharacteristic. And then, you know, the spirit, I think are a team that is coming together in such a way that, you know, that might be understandable in a vacuum, but following that up from a three, one home loss to Orlando, you know, um, I think that leaves some some question marks for the wave right now that they need to answer pretty quickly. Yes, I agree. Okay, so we before we move into the second half of the show, we'll just take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, and we're back to talk a little bit more about the NWSL standings. Uh, so we we t- spoke in the first half of the episode about, you know, teams at the top of the table. And now we'll just talk a little bit about the 12th place team, Chicago. Um, so Chicago <laughs> played Gotham over the weekend, right? And they lost two to one. They did. Um, look, I mean, the Red Stars, bottom of the table, they are, you know, th- I guess they've avoided the, you know, the unfortunate designation that that Louisville has uh, as the only winless team left in the league in the regular mm-hmm. season, which uh, they're both, these teams are level on points. So Chicago just on the, the tiebreaker of goal difference at the moment is last, but uh, both with only four points. And and look, I mean, you know, things have not gone well for Chicago. And I think there are a number of reasons here. I think, um, I, I don't think this is necessarily surprising given how things were shaping up in, in preseason. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is necessarily, um, I don't think they've reached their ceiling either. Right. Like, you know, I, I don't see this as a last place team necessarily, but you know, there are some real sort of, uh, I guess you'd say existential questions in terms of who, you know, like Chris Petrozelli, head coach, Chris Petrozelli talked about this throughout the preseason, really that like they have their team identity 
you know, they were one of the teams we talked about Portland before, right? They they were in a three back to start last year, realized mm-hmm. they could be a better team in a different situation, different setup. And they shifted, they adapted. Um, Chicago stuck with this sort of three, four, three hybrid that they've, they have tinkered with, but, you know, throughout 2022 brought it into 2023, even with, you know, certainly last year, some personnel, uh, thin, thin on personnel, really. Um, and obviously they bring back Casey Kruger, they bring back Tierna Davidson, and that's should be a boon to, you know, their defensive status, right? But, um, they've had some really difficult defensive performances as a team. Obviously, the five goals recently away in Seattle is, is probably the sort of red exclamation mark on, on those performances and, and those score lines. But, you know, I think the question for Chicago now is, are you really married to this system that is clearly now six games in not working? And, and I think that there are a number of ways to evaluate and assess that. Some of that is individual and you just need individual performances to improve within that system. Mm -hmm. But is it one that teams have figured out? Um, And and they're not the only team trying this, right? Like Houston's been now trying a three back Kansas city um, (laughs) similarly in 2022. And then, you know, bringing into 2023 and, and similarly, I would say at least until recently struggled in that. So, you know, I, I think that there's some questions to ask about that. You have a league that's, that's based on transition. A lot of teams play three fronts. So in many ways you're asking to be one for one at most times or all times in the back, you know, is that necessarily the best way to go? And, you know, I think the results so far for Chicago certainly say no, but within those, obviously, you have players that you very much rely upon, um, you know, right down to, you know, I think we've seen some some mistakes in goal from Alyssa Nair that are uncharacteristic throughout mm-hmm. certain moments so far in the season, straight from the opener in San Diego. Like, you know, so I think that there are um, a number of factors, as there are at any point when, when a team is struggling. But, you know, I think you really have to look and say, one, you know, from an individual standpoint, yes, we need better performances. But two, is this sort of what we're looking to stick to? And Chris Petrozelli said prior to Sunday's loss in a Friday pregame that, um, you know, obviously they will need to tinker a little bit with this system based on how it's going. Yeah, I think, I mean, that seems to me like an understatement. Um, you know, not to harp on individual performances, but you know, I was, I think it's hard not to sort of hone in on this defense when they have conceded the most goals of all teams so far this year. So, you know, 15 goals in six games. Um, and the two that they conceded yesterday, I mean, to me, they were kind of rough. I mean, Tierna Davidson, who, you know, in her first season back from injury, she was directly involved in both of those. Um, you know, there, of course, I, I will say that um, apparently on on the the goal that uh, Gotham scored, or I guess all three goals actually yesterday were scored on the same goal on the field, and it, something about the sun and the wind at um at the stadium. I mean, I've never been there, but I think in the post game, a listener sort of confirmed that those conditions are challenging. <clears throat> maybe it's the case that the sun was in Nayer's eyes, or maybe the sun was in Tierna Davidson's eyes. Um. But regardless, I mean, that first goal was a misclearance from Tierna Davidson that just sort of snuck in, uh, essentially across the back line and then got them capitalized. Um, and you know, that one ended up in a goal. There's other 
instances of of Tierna Davidson's distribution from the black from the back looking not great. Um, you know that's that is something that I think before her injury really impressed me about her game is her ability to distribute from the back and uh, you know thinking just in terms of the national team knowing that you know we have a young player like Naomi Gurma in this cycle that is really great one on one. Um, really great with distribution, right? Um, it, it just kind of makes me wonder what what has Tierna Davidson's role become now in this cycle? If last time she was sort of, uh, you know, uh, coming off the bench um, to slot into, into the back line. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just thinking about that one performance, you know, how it, it would translate into what we're thinking about this summer. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, obviously, not focusing too hard on on one performance, but right. Um, and and granted, look, I mean, Davidson coming back from injury, Kruger obviously back after after giving birth last year. So I think both, as as Petrozelli said on Friday, you know, give them a little bit of time. And you know, I think, I mean, as again, we've talked about this in terms of U.S. roster, but unfortunately for, uh, I mean, what a dozen or so players in some capacity that we're talking about, whether it's it's injuries or, or just getting back onto the field period that, you know, the window here is down to maybe, well, we know about five weeks until this U S roster gets named. So, um, you know, it is sort of an every minute counts type of thing, whether that's missing a game due to injury, it's, it's game performance. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot to, to figure out in, in Chicago, obviously. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just sort of, this is a club too. I mean, look, we talk about things that, um, and I'm not sort of, I don't mean to sort of directly relate this to any individual performance, but like, unfortunately in this league, this is professional sports period. We we see 1%, 5% of anything, right? I mean, a match is 90 minutes of an entire week that players are training, players are doing things. And obviously Chicago um, continues to deal with things off the field, right? And And we had that last week, again, on Friday with general manager Michelle Lomnicki being fired you know, as as far as we are led to believe by Chris Petrozelli in a press conference only a few hours later on Friday said he found out the way we found out. I imagine he had a little bit of a, a heads up, but he had at the point of speaking to media around noon Eastern on Friday had not even addressed the team yet. He said he expected that that might be a bit longer of a meeting than usual. So, you know, yet again, um, you know, a, a team that has dealt with so much, you know, certainly trauma in, in the previous coaching setup in how that ended and then the aftermath related to the ownership, which is still in limbo and, and awaiting a new owner, you know, then to have, I don't know if it's a direct knock on, but certainly a related semi-related event in, in, you know, um, to be clear, not with Lomniki specifically, but, but as has been reported sort of uh, indirect involvement in a, a youth club that she's, she and husband are related to uh, or work with, um, you know, hiring Craig Harrington, who was involved and named in in the recent reports, and is banned from the NWSL for two years. Um, if that if I lost you anywhere along the way, <laughs> it's it's much more than that. And obviously, just go ahead and and you can Google some of this backstory. But all to say that you know, yet again, this is a Chicago team. Um, I think that they dealt with it all off season, preseason. You know, has has continued to deal with things off of the field and. At some point, obviously, that has to get right on the field. I think this was really a conversation around the spirit last year, too, right? And eventually, Andy Sullivan and that said, look, I mean, we've got a lot going on off the field, but we've got to own up to these results we keep dropping. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I think, you know, we've got a, it's once again, here's a team that is, is dealing with a lot off the field as well. So um, I don't think that's an excuse. I don't think they would use it as an excuse, but, you know, necessary context, obviously, and, and a big piece of news from, from last week out of Chicago yet again. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you that, you know, likely these players would not use it as an excuse and that's not what we're doing here. Um, but I think it's important just to, you know, consider that those off the field things don't exist in a vacuum, right? These players are only human. Um, so, you know, I, I would hope that, that they can get their, uh, on the field performances straightened up. Um, to me, they, to me coming into the season, I was low on Chicago, but I wasn't, you know, bottom of the table, 12th place low. I think they drafted well. You know, I think, um, Penelope Hawking specifically was, was a bright spot for me. Uh, in, in Chicago's lineup yesterday. And, you know, I hope that, that they continue to grow through this season. And, and, you know, maybe the goal, I mean, obviously the goal is always to make playoffs in this league, but maybe the goal is to just, uh, try to avoid, um, this 12th place, most goals conceded type of situation in Chicago. Well, and I, I mean, I think the elephant in the room here is Mallory Swanson being injured, right? I, Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a team that, not singularly, but more than any other team. I mean, the, the, her goal contribution, but it was Pew. It was Pew. Now Swanson was to Chicago as Alex Morgan was to San Diego last year in terms of half of their goal contributions coming, you know, the team's goal contributions coming from those respective players. And, you know, I think San Diego, we just talked about how they sort of line up tactically. And, and certainly this year, feel like Jaden Shaw has been the focal point. Like I, I think they've had a little bit more of an ability to maybe, maybe get around that when Morgan is not the goal scorer or she's just not there as she won't be, you know, this summer, but Chicago very much. I mean, this was like, it, it felt like in 22, a little bit in 21, but certainly in 22, it was, can Mal Pugh bail us out of, of a game or can she work her magic? And obviously the injury puts them in a place where, you know, I like some of their their forwards. I thought Ava Cook, Ella Stevens. You know, some of them have they they have players who have looked encouraging in the time that they've gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they um, and really nobody else is Mallory Swanson, right? And the way that she was relied upon so much, you know, to have her injured for long term here, um, it's it's got to be worrisome for Chicago. I, I know that the Red Stars. Um, I don't think this is. This is pretty obvious, I would think, is, you know, they're trying to figure that out. As as soon as that happened, they started to try to figure out what kind of moves they needed to make. And, you know, obviously the window's closed here. So I guess that has to be summer window to to try to address this. But, you know, that feels far away at the moment when you're in last place and conceding the way that you are. But, you know, to your point, um, that's one piece. But, you know, to, to lose your primary goal scorer that you rely upon so much and then to be defending or conceding the way that that you are, you know, it's, it's really sort of compounding the issue. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like lots of issues in Chicago just sort of um, stacking up on one another, which is not what you'd like. <laughs> um, so any closing thoughts on Chicago or bottom of the table type of um, ideas here? Well, I think just at the bottom, you've got, you know, like we said, racing Louisville is level on points with Chicago. It's just a matter of, as you pointed out, 15 goals conceded, which is three more than anybody else in the league right now. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think you look at Louisville there, you know, I, I think a team with a lot of potential and, and we just haven't, you know, 
I mean, I've said this before that we have not seen a 90 minute performance from them really. And, and that's the difference between, you know, I think consistently and several occasions, right. They've got four draws dropping points that, you know, that went from three to one or maybe to zero. Right. So, you know, yeah. I think that is a team that very quickly needs to get it right. And, you know, I mean, Kim Brookigan has been there, you know, has had time now, um, you know, and, and has some talent in place that, you know, I think they need to start finding results here um, at the bottom of the table because, you know, th- there's enough talent there. I think that there's, there's certainly expectations that are higher than, than where they are. I mean, I don't know if this necessarily is a team that should be thinking that it's a title contender, but it, it should be fighting for a playoff position and um, early days, obviously, but it's, it's not setting itself up that way. So I, I think that's something to watch um, at the bottom of the table. Yes, this is a really good point, And I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you know, I don't think racing will look their best and, and, you know, we have to remember Savannah DeMello was out for their game against Orlando. But, you know, our discussion about Mallory Swanson and Chicago sort of their whole game plan was Mallory Swanson. It's making me think of how racing Louisville's really does hinge on Savannah DeMello. Right. So, um, if I were, you know, thinking about racing's long-term success, I don't know if, if having all of it hinge on one player is really the way to go. I mean, I know that it's not, um, but I think there are some interesting parallels just uh, on the field there when you sort of think about um, of, of Swanson uh, in the context of Chicago and then, you know, DeMello in the context of racing. Um, but I think that is a good place to stop. So that's a wrap. Thank you everyone for listening. And thanks Jeff for joining me to recap this weekend of the NWSL. And before I go, we'd like to give a special thank you to our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Ariana Cascone, and we'll be back soon with more on The Equalizer podcast.